Nation News Tonight. A production of Reuters News in conjunction with Rex Station Infotainment. Brought to you by the United Free Trade Planets. Sponsored in part by Living Doll Cybernetics, makers of Joe Andinova, the multi-mid male pleasure droid, and the Amarcadian Space Brigade, good to the last drops. Coming up on our show, Tailman Bounty Hunters, benefit or bane, you decide. A rare interview with Mother Amy Simple of the Cosmic Veil and... Lead Story! Lead Story! Lead Story! In our Lead Story tonight, Reuters News Ferret Jimmy the Snout takes you live to the planet Mitochondria for what seems to be the beginning of a nasty civil war. Brought to you by the United Free Trade Planets. When you think business, think Bajar. This is Reuters News Ferret, Jimmy the Snout, reporting live from the Phoebus system, where things have gone to heck in a hover car. Where is she? Prime Minister! Gloriana! 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 Get that door open! Yes, sir! Gone! Vanished! No! 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 Prime Minister Gloriana of Phoebus, head Hodges of State and high muckety-muck of the system's hottest religion, has mysteriously vanished from the palace on mitochondria, causing rioting on the streets outside. They're guarding the outer wall! Deploy the shields! Deploy the shields! Deploy the shields! With the PM misplaced, who'll put the mumbo in the crystal belts jumbo? Who will stop the war at the palace door? But a better question may be... Who will save us now? Who will save them now? All right, and we are here on Radio Drama Revivals, and that, dear listeners, was the opening of a new imaginative piece of audio drama produced by my good friends Lance Axt and William DeFries, who have created the Audio Comics Company. The show is Starstruck, a funny, sophisticated, and wacky science fiction adventure adapted from the critically acclaimed comic book series and off-Broadway production Starstruck, on the same name, created by Elaine Lee. It's sort of a mix of Rocky Horror Picture Show meets Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, and knowing the legacy of those two works in audio, I think you will be as excited about the project as much as I am. It is a great example of taking work from another medium and making it a audio drama and um, you know doing some imaginative and interesting things, uh, reinvigorating the cult fan base. And, of course, no one's really more aware of that than Lance, who's the marketing guru, producer of the project, has been to all kinds of comic book conventions with this and is uh, really tapping into the comics book crowd with this audio drama, unlike anyone else I think is really ever attempted to do in audio. So um, I was really excited to talk to him about this topic. Uh, we met last spring. He was up in Maine at the recording of this in Portland. Uh, we met to talk a little bit about this, and um, here it goes. This is Lance Axe, a uh, good friend from National Audio Theater Festivals and, of course, the Audio Comics Company. Here we are on the set of Starstruck with the founder of Audio Comics, Lance Axe, all the way out from California. Lance, uh, talk to us about your day, about this recording here in Portland, Maine. This has been an absolutely wonderful experience. I could not be happier with this group of people. I am happy that Elaine is happy. And when the comic book creator is happy, then you know things are going very well. 
I, I'm, I'm just ecstatic. I, I don't have any words for it. I'm just, so I'm just going to say this has been one of the better experiences that I've had in a recording studio. I love this cast. I love our director. I love our writer. I love our technicians. I love the food. I love everything about it. Uh, it's, it's, it's exceeded my, my wildest dreams, and for this first production especially. So there you have it. How's yeah. that? Yeah. Well, it's been a long time in the in the making, right? Five I mean, years. Yeah. Five years. This production, this project went uh, bye bye. This project went bye bye. Usually bad deals on behalf of the uh, the creators or the estates, but uh, this was a really good deal, and we jumped on it, and we're we're thrilled that we did. And the nice part is, what we're starting now with Starstruck is going to continue to 2011. <clears throat> the next project is going to be with Elaine uh, in a spin-off series based on her series, The Galactic Girl Guides. And The Galactic Girl Guides is a series for kids. See, that's one of the things that Audio Comics wants to do is to develop projects for all ages. And this is a project for kids where you have a group of intergalactic Girl Scouts. Truth as far as it goes. She tried to turn this into a comic book series back in the 1990s. And so many publishers were saying, oh, we don't want a comic book series about, especially about girls for kids. And I was thinking, bull crap. There's, there's so many markets for it. And this is something that we want to very much do next year. She also has a prequel series that she's developing. And this is just the tip of the iceberg for audio comics of where we can go, what we do have planned with some creators. Nothing that I can talk about at this point. But it, this is a very good first start to what I hope is going to be a very, very long and fruitful adventure. Sure. And tell us about uh, today, or this weekend rather, quite an elaborate recording gig, uh, maybe a dozen or so pe more people involved. What took, what had to happen for today to happen? What was your role in all of it? Uh, my role in all of it was to stay out of it and let Bill and Dan do the casting. Uh, that was it, because they know the talent. They know who's best to fill these parts and... For me to jump in as the guy in California, while well, I know people in California who get Billy's parts, but I don't know anybody here in Maine. So my role was to stay out of it, let them do what they need to do, and trust their judgment. And I'm I'm very glad I'm very glad I did. Jenny Wren is perfect as Brusilla. You close your eyes, you envision the character as Michael Kaluta drew it. I hear her voice fitting that character. I hear Tavia Gilbert fitting Galatia. I heard Denise as Verluna so clearly, so succinctly, tearing up the scenery, tearing up the microphones. It was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And then say about uh, uh, collaborating coast to coast. Here, there you are out in California, here on Maine, the opposite corner of the globe, and collaborating in a very different way. I know that some audio drama producers collaborate and take an approach where they record actors individually. You've taken a different tack, but are still, I would imagine, using the web to collaborate um, Coast to coast, and we're going to talk a bit about that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Bill is out here. I am out in California. We phone each other. We email each other constantly. Um, we always try to make sure we're on top of everything that's going on. But in regards to the actual recording itself, I really believe that you need to have everybody present. I'm not a big fan of the Walt Disney Studios way of this person comes in individually, and this person comes in individually, this com person comes in individually. <clears throat> the phrase is audio theater. Emphasis on the word theater. And 
in my training, the idea of theater is a shared, collaborative experience amongst actors, the writer, the director. Ultimately, the way that I was taught was that it's the writer's room because it is his or her vision. The director is taking that vision and is bringing it to life. And he's bringing it to life using these people. And it is one large collaborative medium. That's the theater aspect that I think gets lost sometimes. And that's why I'm a very big advocate of having all of your actors together. That way they can play off of each other. That way they don't, it doesn't feel phony, it doesn't feel fabricated. That's my opinion. You know, take it or leave it. Yeah, and so you've had, this has been three days of recording. Yeah. Um, as, and I know, as much as anyone knows, this is far from the end. This is really yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of just the beginning of the project. So um, you're going to go back to California. Tell us uh, kind of where Starstruck goes from there. Where Starstruck goes from there? Well, the next stage is the editing. Dwight Dixon has uh, redone the music because uh, for anybody who's listening who's going to be in Florida, Starstruck is going to be remounted as a stage play this summer. Uh, so we are using the music from that for this. Uh, the next stage will be <coughs> editing, mixing, and if uh, all goes well, Bill should have the final product in hand and ready to go by the end of summer. Now, my job is going to be the promotion aspect, is going to be finding the avenues of distribution, and there are many, many avenues of distribution available for this, both in CD and MP3, but we're also looking at avenues of distribution that most audiobook publishers don't take or won't take. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. A while back, we were trying to push one particular project. This is a project that uh, that fell out from under us, and we're very, very glad, actually, that it did, because it, it would have been a huge embarrassment. But at the time, it was not that case, and we had been talking with several audiobook publishers, and, well, this is a comic book series. Why isn't it going into comic book stores? I belong to a subscription service. I only buy three books from it, Astro City, The Lone Ranger, and Starstruck. But I still belong to a subscription service, and they have more than 20,000 people on this thing. I should know because I'm number 19,999. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's my number. And I contacted them and said, well, we're doing a project that involves a comic book series, and we're going to put it on audio. And... Uh, uh, and we were curious as to why another project that was a comic book series that was put on audio, and I won't say the name of it, but it was through a major audiobook publisher. This was way back in the 1990s, and then uh, they got their rights back and they put it out on CD. I uh, don't know if... I, I think it's available on MP3 as well, but I know it was available on CD for quite some time. It still is. But it was only available through bookstores, and I contacted my subscription service and said, did you know about this? And they said, oh my God, we didn't. We could have sold 2,000 of these. <laughs> you got 20,000 plus people, sure you're gonna find an audience. They have an audio slash video section. So I had told this to uh, a representative from this uh, audio book uh, publishing house and he said, no, we're not gonna do it. We're not gonna make it available because that's not what we know how to do. We're an audiobook publisher. It has to go to bookstores. That's the way things work here. Understandably, his hands were tied, and this is a guy who really wanted to explore new medium, but the bean counters said no. Uh, there are many, many avenues where this kind of material can go and should go, and what I'm going to be doing is finding what those avenues are and get it out there. 
I put down on the Audio Comics blog that my goal, and I am not kidding when I say this, ladies and gentlemen, to everybody out there who is listening, I want you to, when it is available, it's going to be available for sale as an MP3 download through our website, buy a copy and then tell 10 of your friends to buy a <laughs> copy and then tell 10 of their friends. And then each friend should tell 10 more friends. Why? Because I want to sell. And it's only going to be $12.95. That's not a bad deal for a two-hour piece, boys and girls. One million downloads. That is my goal for Starstruck. I want to sell one million downloads of this piece. And I think we can do it. And if you want a CD, fine. We'd love to sell 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 copies. But we want to sell a million downloads. And we think we can do it. And I'm going to do my damnedest to try it. The other thing I'm going to be doing is come July, Fred does not know this, he's about to find himself <laughs> for the first time, I'm going to brave this thing called San Diego Comic-Con. I am going to San Diego Comic-Con International. I will bear the t-shirt that said, I survived San Diego Comic-Con International with posters, with postcards, with press releases for anybody and everybody that I can find who has a website or a blog or a podcast series and get it out to as many people as possible. Spread the word. There's going to be 150,000 people a day there. I'm pretty sure there's going to be at least one or two people who might be interested. But that's going to be my job over this summer is to promote, is to explore, is to experiment. And ultimately, by this time next year, I hope, I hope as God is my witness, sell a million downloads. Awesome. Well, Lance, we will follow that and we will promote it and uh, hope we get there. Audio, dum, drama, dum, dum, dum. audio <laughs> drama needs other people to know about it. And uh, we, yeah, we'll keep, continue to follow the story. Thanks so much for your time. You bet. And thanks, Lance. That was Lance Axt of the Audio Comics Company talking about their new release, Starstruck, available now for download at audiocomicscompany.com. Audiocomicscompany.com. Six bucks-ish for each episode, um, two of them, and it'll be about $13 for the whole thing. Um, pretty good deal for two hours of top-notch science fiction audio programming. And if you're wondering, of course, uh, what am I going to get for that? You want a flavor of it? Uh, of course, we're going to sate your appetite. Um, here's the feature. Um, this is the first act of Starstruck, the first part of the first act, something like that. Um, here you go. Captain Slog, Unit 80, 156th Anarch Era. Captain Galatia 9 of the freelance freedom fighter, Harpy. Myself and the crew of the Harpy have embarked on a mission having to do with the unexplained disappearance of Prime Minister Gloriana of Phoebus and the resultant civil war on the planet Mitochondria. Evie, play record. President Jindal Q of the United Federation of Female Freedom Fighters. Captain Nine, you and your crew were chosen for this mission because the Harpy's android science officer, Erotica Anne 333, is a dead ringer for Prime Minister Gloriana of Phoebus. Yes, got it. You want to take Officer Anne to Mitochondria. Posing as a cargo ship, your holds filled with the hottest new trend in data storage, paper, phone books. What the boot is a phone book? Unimportant. The Phoebus system phone books are merely a clever ruse. Once inside the royal palace, Officer Anne will be programmed with all the information she will need to stand in for the Prime Minister. Pause, Evie. On a personal note, this large green crystal that hangs about my neck came from the mines of Mitochondria's crystal-rich asteroid belt. It is all I have left me of the family that once made its home in the Phoebus system. Captain Nine, make no mistake. The fate of the Phoebus system, and perhaps the free multiverse, rests in your hands. 
I've got that old sinking feeling again. Priscilla, the fact is, there were no Andraconians left in the Borgon Brigade after the Triclone invasion. Uh, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. I had a good friend who knew this guy who was a shipmate of the communications officer aboard a left-wing protector ship in the Borgon Brigade. Case closed. Time for some target practice. Target practice will now commence. I could put my files on the subject. However, I am quite certain my time could be spent on more important matters. Yeah, like what, metal mind? Reading phone books? It clears the residual carbon buildup from my error-sensing matrix. Oh! You should try it. Oh, I tried it. It read like a phone book. <laughs> it is a phone book. Hey, reach out and touch yourself. Oh! Ow! Your aim is low by 0.2 my neurons. Priscilla, Annie, could one of you please reset the Automatouch Mindfinger's thought-scanning probe? It seems to be malfunctioning. Do you smell smoke? Oh, it's me! Ow! 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 Affirmative, sister. I'll oh. get on it immediately. Hey! Oh! You know just how to get to me, don't you? Don't you, Neurotica? Ow! Uh, Brusilla! Scram! Oh! Negative. Oh! <laughs> <sighs> I needed that. Hey, gals. Want to hear a great new joke? Oh. I'm talking funny. What about it? Only if it's better than your last one. What about you? Negative. Ah, uh, you'll love it. Negative. Okay, here goes. There's these two Metaconian androids sitting at an inebriation dispenser unit. And they're getting pretty obfuscated, right? Uh, they've been there for, oh, I don't know, a couple of Marbecs anyway. You see, they're out of it. All of a sudden, one of the Metacones looks at the other one and says, Hey, have you seen my trisone injectable? <laughs> Get this. No, says the other Metacone. But my Theoline drone just short-circuited! <laughs> Get it? Brusilla the Muscle. Hot-headed and impetuous. A strapping Amacadian lass. Her solution to any problem is... Well, blast him out of the sky! A lieutenant in the Amacadian Space Brigade, Brew was stripped of rank and drummed out for leading her squadron into the off-limits neutral zone 8, where they were vaporized by Vercadian protector androids. I just love a good android joke. Don't you, Neurotica? Negative. Negative? You mean no, don't you? Come on, swivel hips. Say no if you mean no. You asked me a question, Priscilla, and I replied. Negative. Nothing gets to you, does it? I can't even provoke a little healthy anger in you, can I, Neurotica? Negative. I know a good joke. Want to hear it? No. Erotica Anne. Living Doll Cybernetics top-of-the-line pleasure droid. The only droid of her line capable of independent thought, she escaped her life of slavery, fled to Rex Station 97, and got a job as a cocktail waitress. Where, as fate would have it, she would serve a double-death commando to Captain Galatia 9, who helped her to reprogram herself and made her science officer aboard the Harpy. Ironically, Erotica's body, built for sex, did not change with the new program. The cellular organization of the aforementioned body is a monument to modern cybernetic engineering. She annoys the hell out of Brucilla. You annoy the hell out of me. That's okay, Bru. She just doesn't want to hear the joke. Oh, 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 bad vibes! My acutely sensitive nervous system is picking up your negativity as a palpably pulsating series of massive magnetic shocks. The resultant anxiety could lead to permanent damage of my delicately balanced neuropsychic network. Yeah, skip the introduction, sis. Let's hear the joke. 
Okay, there were these two Comet Cloister initiates, or was it four? No, it was two. Anyway, these three initiates and a March Baptist priest were on their way to a new cycle high festival fertility rite. And the first one says, or was it the priest? Uh, no, the first one. The first one says to the littlest neophyte, take my Caribbean sleeve, girl, please. <laughs> hey, sis. Huh? Read my mind. Ow. Bronwyn, renegade sister of the Cosmic Veil, cloistered order of the goddess Uncaring. Sister Bronwyn broke her vows. May the Great Mother ignore me. And answered an ad for communications and intuitional data officer aboard the Harpy. Her telepathic powers made her a cinch for the job, but she tends to trance out at inopportune times, pick up messages of little or no importance, or be bounced about by psychic vibrations. Now that is weird. Uh, gee whiz, something definitely in the area. A ship? You got a handle on that interference, Annie? Nothing definite, but oh, correction. I'm picking up something, but it doesn't read like a ship, at least not any ship known to me. I'll check the locks. Now better call the cap. Evie, call the cap and make it an alert. At no, standby. Standby alert! Captain Tadouge, standby alert. You got a fix on that thing, Bronwyn? Sector 5, angle port 140, velocity pre-warp... Yo! Bronwyn, are you alright? Nah, she's just picking up static. I swear, sis, you draw that stuff like a gravity well. Oh, my alpha waves. Which one of you hot dogs hit the emergency gravity while I was napping in free fall? Yo, Cap. Greeting, Chief. Sorry about that, Cap. So what's the story? Galatia 9, ship's captain, escaped from a penal colony on Omega-6, where she was sent for writing feminist nursery rhymes in the Zychromo Zone. Georgie Porgy, pudding and pie, kissed the girls and made them cry. We hit him with a quasar ray. Georgie Porgy blew away. <laughs> while on Omega-6, Galatia joined a tribe of Amazons rather than becoming the sex toy of a pack of Lyconian Dromo rustlers. This is why she is missing her right breast. We're locked onto an amorphous blob, Captain. Anyone for a little visual? Pop it up, Annie. Turning on. Holy helix. Stupid gyros. Great mother. Cyber neural circuits in my brain banks are almost overwhelmed by the magnitude of this as yet unidentified amorphous life form. Sure is a big sucker. Affirmative. What the heck is it? Looks like a blob. Looks, Looks like... like. What do you read on it, sis? Too much, Cap. It's almost off my scale. Organic. Incredible! It's emitting thought waves like crazy! Brew, let's whip around the other side and see if we can get a better idea what the damn thing is. That's just the order I've been waiting for! I am obliged to point out that our chances of being detected become 2,349,823.07 times greater if we move more than six bidarons away from our present relationship to said blob. Readings on the electromagnetic field surrounding the life form show us situated directly in its blind spot. In other words, Captain, your order is not such a hot idea. Still, would we be by caution chained? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. <laughs> That's the way to tell her, Cap. Change course. Skim around to what we'll call it starboard side, just beyond that gelatinous pink carbuncle. Stay, oh, about 18 bandlands above its surface. When you get to a position of two degrees belly side, drop back to cruise 3.27, and we'll just tag along with her for a while. All right. Captain, permission to try trans-state info scan. Perhaps I can pick up something our instruments are over... Got zapped by this... What? Hey, Christ! Cap, something's got sis! Let go of sis, you! Hold it, Prue. Let's hear it out. Not on your life! 
Sniff, you hunk of junk and circus! She's right, Brew. We gotta see what this thing is. Uh, oh, 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 it's good. Oh, nice. Oh, we are, we are. I promise to do my duty to be. Oh, to obey the. Priscilla, scanners show solid matter carbon unit composed of collagen, amino acids, protoplasm, wheat flour, lecithin, synthetic chocolate, RNA, DNA, red dye number, human cells! Oh. I'm reading ambiguous, Cap. Not just one being, yet it is more than one. Many in one? This is my report, Chrome Dome. Can of chatter, I'll just... Cut the crap! Bronwyn! Oh, looks like a man, tastes like a dream! Good! Good! Be up shields and scanners out. Priscilla maintain parallel course, full defense status. Yeah. Peanut butter, mint, and vanilla cream. They're so good, so nice. Sugar coated on the outside, but inside evil. We're melting. Inside evil. Oh no! Evil, wake up, sis! Wake up, sis! It's gonna be okay. Mother will meet me. What you got for us, sis? It's ghastly. It's monstrous. What's monstrous? I don't know if I can bring myself to say it. Bring yourself to say it? It's the blob. Yeah, sis, what about the blob? It's a ship. A ship, but... I'm counting to three! It's a living ship, made from the living flesh of millions of galactic girl guides! <gasps> no! What diabolical mind could have created this blasphemy? Oh, no! Easy, Brew. Not the girl guides! Why? Because I was a galactic girl guy, oh. that's why! Oh, I'm gonna make him pay for this, by golly! You wait! Captain, I'm picking up a very erratic blip, buzzing gnat-like around what seems to be an entrance lock of said blasphemy. Final report, another ship. Life reading, one humanoid, male gender. The ship, a blasphemous breathing jail. The blip, erratic gender male. Holy shit! And that was a little bit from Starstruck. Uh, more coming soon in the latter half of the show. But first, uh, we did talk to Lance Axt earlier about um, the innovative ways that um, Audio Comics Company is promoting and releasing this new show. But um, one thing that also interests me, being a writer and producer uh, myself, um, you know, it's easy for me because I can write and produce it and I know how it's going to go. But I also am curious what the writer thinks um, for a writer who's not actually producing the show and doesn't have um, such control over how it's going to turn out. Um, so I talked to Elaine Lee. Um, she is the writer of the Starstrucks thing. She's, of course, been with this um, story for you know, over 20 years. Um, and she's you know quite a writer, um, written for all sorts of different comic books, um, very aware of the medium. And I think this is her first project in audio drama. So I talked to her about that. This was in early October on the live terrestrial radio version of Radio Drama Revival. We talked to Elaine Lee. But we have a special treat today. We have an in-house uh, guest coming um, from New York City, actually, uh, working on a project here produced in Maine. Uh, she's Elaine Lee, the writer of the uh, off-Broadway production Starstruck, which is also a comic book and the writer of many other comic books. Hi, Elaine. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival. 
Hi, Fred. Um, and so, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about Starstruck when um, it was originally created? Because it's kind of a quite a journey from uh, where it started to, I, I think, the audio adaptation being created today. Well, um, back when I was in my twenties, um, many lifetimes ago, <laughs> we uh, I was in the city, and uh, some friends and I had a little theater company, and we were writing material for ourselves. And there were a good number of women in the company. And um, there, there just weren't plays with enough roles for women. So we started writing our own pieces. And um, this is one of the ones we came up with. And um, so the original play was actually written for the actors who performed it. Mm-hmm. So I think I should say, first of all, it's a comedy. And it really was sort of a parody of the kinds of science fiction that you'd see in movies and television at the time. And, um, or some of the old stuff that came out of the 50s and 60s, really, too. Um, not all the characters were female, but I really wanted to play a starship captain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there, that just wasn't possible back in, back in the day. Um, it was 1979 when... Um, we start. We got the idea, or I started writing the um, plot for the play, and then um, Dale Place and Susan Norfleet um, wrote the dialogue with me and helped. You know, we all wrote the um, complete play together. Sure. And and how so. about? Um, so th- this is going to pertain when we start talking about the audio version, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, the the Broadway version obviously is it being theater has a lot of visual elements to it. Oh, it was completely visual. There was so much slapstick. Um, there's a big fight between um, one of the characters, Brusilla the Muscle, and a killer cyborg, <laughs> and the cyborg would sneeze in the middle of the fight and blow her into a black backflip, and she would uh, land on her feet. And you know, people would um, really exaggerate the physicality because we were really putting a comic book on stage okay and so to catch me up to make sure i've got my history right the 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 broadway production the off-broadway production was first and then that led to a comic mm-hmm. book being created we were serialized the we first actually were published in spain because we were sort of weird all american comics were spider-man and mm-hmm. the fantastic four and superman in those days pretty much so we were published in Europe first, and then we were serialized in heavy metal. If you, oh yeah, heavy yeah, metal. yeah, yeah. And then um, after that, while it was running in heavy metal, I put up a second production, and I directed that one in New mm. York. And um, after that, it, it was sort of re- it was all rewritten after that, though. And the stage play began to reflect changes that had been made in the comics. And uh, even more so for this audio. So that's so it's fun. So it sounds like there is a a uh, an informative uh, creative process wherein mm-hmm. you have this idea that it, that becomes a theater piece, and that theater piece then directs this adaptation um, that ends up directing the theater I mean, piece. That ends up doing that, yeah. and then um, just this year I did a rewrite of the stage play because there's someone interested in putting that up again and then did a rewrite of the stage play to do it for audio with with a new sort of prologue and all of that that yeah and so so as a writer um, are you seeing this are you actually physically working on the different adaptations or what is as a creator what do you think of this I guess a very multimedia process because we're not talking about one medium or another mm-hmm. we're actually you know several different ones right mm-hmm. now 
Uh, uh, yeah, and I, <laughs> I'm doing the graphic design for the CD packaging <laughs> oh, <laughs> that the, the thing is coming out in. So they're sort of switching around. <laughs> yeah, and and so let's uh, I guess transition to the the audio version then. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I'm assuming that you didn't foresee one day that there would be an audio adaptation when you worked on the, the Broadway production, but uh, at some point you you did, uh, you know, how, how, did you, how did you start down this path of ultimately be, it becoming audio? Were you contacted or did you? Um, well, it was really weird because um, Bill and um, his partners in audio comics uh, called us within two weeks of the comic book company calling us about doing the reprinted mm. book. It was like just in the air or something. Mm-hmm. So um, it just all came together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it and just so all came together. They, I guess Lance, um, Lance Axt, who is Bill's partner, mm-hmm. had had the play for years and had always wanted to do something with it because it was published. Mm-hmm. And um, when they decided to do audio comics and make this business, um, it was one of the first things they wanted to do. That's great. And we did a we did a production, or Lance did. I mm-hmm. I really didn't have anything to do with it. He directed a benefit performance um, last year. Well, let me see. Yes, last year, August of last year in um, Big Sur. Okay. So to benefit. Um, uh, a comic book creator who mm-hmm. um, needed help with his health care money. Yeah, yeah. So Gene, Gene Colan. Yeah, and so that so and then so you're open minded about doing an audio adaptation, and um, how did it go from there? How involved were you in the? I guess let's start with the very beginning in t- terms of the script. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did you do the adaptation, or did you get to see drafts, or how involved were you in that process? I did the I did the adaptation with a lot of input, mm-hmm. um, and I talked to, especially with Bill a lot mm-hmm. um, about what was needed. And he then he he would send me, you know, he would email me and say, "I think we need more of a prologue here. Mm-hmm. Can you write something that goes before the captain's log, and we yeah. can talk about the war on mitochondria." Or whatever so he would send little suggestions and um, uh, let me know I think there would be a say there's a scene where one character on in the play would be sneaking on to the set behind the other characters to listen to something mm-hmm. well in audio drama she would have to say to another character <laughs> yeah. Psst, it's me yeah you know? <laughs> yeah not, not, a, not the visual so, cue yeah yeah so was it was it fun to, to have to think about writing a little differently knowing you weren't going to have those visual cues it was it was fun i i enjoyed it quite a bit and now actually um some things happen because of having to change how i thought Mm -hmm. about it that i think are actually better in the audio version that i'm going to go back and change in the stage play because it because we may be having that um the newer version of it published now great and and yeah and so for instance thinking about what is different about audio say you're making a casting decision and in the play uh it requires a a small actress to play mm-hmm. the captain but in the audio it's mm-hmm. it's not quite the same and so how was your experience that scene um you know how the cast was different versus what you may have imagined based on the voice versus the physical person well that you know it, it i knew it was going to be really different because the actors the first cast were my really good friends and we made mm. this company together uh, I, it, 
it was difficult. I had to come in and really let go of all that because as wonderful as these actors are, they're, they are not going to be the, the same people. The same people. Yeah. And, um, but I was able to do that pretty quickly because they were so terrific. Mm-hmm. I think um, the hardest thing was that one of my friends has passed away since uh. we did the play. And um, all the, the guy that, play, <laughs> that played his character, mm-hmm. Khalif, was just so, so wonderful that mm-hmm. um, he almost made up for the fact that he couldn't bring my friend back from oh. the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so. yeah. So again, it's Audio Comics Company. Um, we've been talking with Elaine Lee of uh, Starstruck. Um, thanks so much, Elaine. Thank you. All right. All right. And that was Elaine Lee, um, creator of Starstruck and many other comic books. And with that, um, I will take another opportunity to mention that you can buy the whole thing um, for 13 bucks ish for um, Starstruck, two hour production. Great deal. You can get it at audiocomicscompany.com. Audio Comics company. Um, you can also buy a CD with thrilling, beautiful comic book artwork. And if you're wondering what you're going to get, um, it is uh, a lot of fun, a lot of wacky um, adventure. And here is the second, uh, well, second part of the first chapter, something like that. You'll hear about um, the first half of the first CD by the time you finish this next installment. <sighs> we meet the bad guys. Here we go. Meanwhile, aboard the amorphous blob, Norm! This is Norm, your ship's brain! Call the boys! One, two, three, testing. Calling Rael Rex and Khalif Bajar! Rael and Khalif, look alive, fellows! Berluna wants a meeting of all personnel in the throne room, pronto! On the double! You know how she hates to be kept waiting. <laughs> Here, Veluna. At your service, Seductory. Not bad, boys. Not bad. We cut a good three Rybex off the Put a lid on it, Ryle. I have an important announcement to make. Are you going to let us in on the plan, O Divine One? Well, Bejar, aren't we the impatient one? Go suck a shriek as a... You wish. Halt! Begging pardons, Great One. What exactly is your plan? It's so beautifully simple. It's hardly a plan at all. Perfect. A simple plan for a simple mind. Think you can grasp it? Listen, you vainglorious get of a Moragian she-goat. Grasping is one thing I have no trouble with. (laughs) Boys! What? What? Would you like to hear the plan? Or shall I have Orga show you the door? And watch the first step. Arr, it's a Lulu. You were saying about the plan. Delight us with the details, almost scintillating. Pretty please. Better, boys. The plan is this. Valuna Tai sails through space in her pleasure ship, the Siren 3. Like the lethal Vinonan Viper, she seduces and kills. Valuna is headed for the mines of Mitochondria's crystal belt to trade Cravian slave girls for Berinium crystals. Little do the miners know that, though they live to mate, Cravian slave girls only mate once, then immediately lay eggs and die. So that's the plan! (laughs) 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 Tough luck, you dusty little hunchback bastards! Serves you right! I love it! Of course you do. Of course he does. And you, Khalif, what do you think of my plan? Well, I'd have to say after careful consideration that this plan probably ranks among your top three. 
Most foul, most despicable, most depraved, deplorable, and disgusting. Not to mention lucrative plans on record to this date that I know of. Did that answer your question, oh, ivory column of calumny? That about covers it. Thanks. Don't mention it. Boring, Caliph. Really boring. Go polish your hair. Push, push, push. Boring. You are really pushing me. I am tired of it. Sick and tired. <clears throat> Veluna, I can keep silent no longer. I feel that if I keep my feelings bottled up for another Ibeck, I will simply explode. What are you babbling about? Caliph. It's Caliph. He makes my life sheer hell. Always pushing, always demanding. He leans on me. Lean, lean, lean. I have tried to be nice. I have tried to be considerate. But I get no consideration or cooperation around here whatsoever. I am giving my ultimatum. It's either him or me. Will you be leaving immediately or are you staying for supper? <laughs> Just a teensy joke, virulent leader. Ra L. Rex. Once a mild-mannered antiques dealer, Roland Rex, he was exposed to dangerous x-rays by a piece of early Terran dental equipment and became... Ra L. Rex. Art collector extraordinaire. Appointed, anointed by the great disruptor to bring the universe to total chaos. He has joined up with Veluna out of boredom. Hey, Rex, if you're leaving, can I keep your outfit to wear to Braxis Five's annual costume party? You see? He did it again! Climb <laughs> down, Caliph! Oh, but lies and loathsome! I've never meant any harm to Rael. Why, I love him as I would a cousin. <laughs> I would never even think of causing him any pain or anguish if I thought for a Marthran that Ra'el had taken this playful jesting as some sort of deliberate harassment on my part, I would just die. Will that be cremation or burial at void? You see, we play like this all the time. Don't we love them? Hmm. You both disgust me. Out of my sight, or be roasted over a critical mass. Listen, you detestable little halfwit. Squeal to Veluna again, and I'll have your hair tweezed out one lacquered follicle at a time. Understand? Caliph Bajar, sinister son of the Baron Rodrigo Bajar, and great-grandson of the deposed Dread Dictator. He has joined forces with Veluna in the hope that he can retain his birthright as the Great Dread and Most Benevolent Dictator of the Multiverse! Khalif will do it with anything. He especially likes Cravian slaves and says, I never could make a commitment. You're so sick. Warning! Hila feels the. Uh oh. No. No alert. What's wrong with Fish Face? Our little finned friend seems to sense something. No! Your eminent evilness all feels familiar. No worries. Please, put a lid on that tedious tadpole. Hoi, fossil on, Tetris. Better clam it, salmon cakes. You could end up as brunch. Okie dokie, Khalid. Thou handsome devil. Eela. 
an Aguatunisian empath and former crew member of the Harpy being held captive aboard the Siren 3. Eela serves as a living alarm system connected to the ship through the fluid in her tank, into which Bluquadonna, an aphrodisial drug, is periodically pumped. I'm your friend. Tell it, Kali. She isn't talking to you. What danger, scales for skin? No, no danger. Norm? Yes, Jeeves. Turn up the drug level in Ela's tank. Oh, oh, let me, let me. And Norm, do a quick scan. Check out any unconfirmed presence in our sector. At once, head haunches. It occurs to us, in a flash of genius, that our Gilgal warning system might be on the fritz. A subtle mind never sleeps. Well, if she is on the fritz, it's probably due to that libidinous lizard. Verluna! Shoot, Norm. Bang! Bang! Norm! That's a big 10-4 on the disturbance scan, O Breath of Destruction. Small, curious, crystal-driven ship nosing around our immediate area. It's nothing serious. Most likely a private yacht. Check it out with the Thermodite Penetrator. No sooner said than... Whoops. How could I have missed that? There's a second ship buzzing gnat-like around the Section 82 lock. What? No need to fear, Malefactress. Tiny stellar copter, now imprisoned below decks. Quick work and quick thinking, Norm. Checks out Light of Loathing, one humanoid male gender in the isolation tube. Request permission to escort him into your presence, Chief Tess. Check him out thoroughly, Rex. Need you ask. No. As soon as we deal with the intruder, I want that report. Jace Verona, numero una. Well? Your infamy is renowned through the multiverse, O greatest of the greedy. There is one at hand who has heard of you and seeks admission to our band. He has come prepared with a demonstration of his talents. Has he, indeed? A waste of time, white-chested. How would you describe our guest, Ryle? Tall of stature and weak of mind. In other words? Useful. Show him in. Live from the Ramscoop Lounge, it's that bad cap master of menace, Son the Warlord of Zencha! Uh, just take a ride back. Yeah, almost. Oh, gee. <coughs> Testing, one, two, three. Testing. Hello? 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 Okay. Duanian of Grivar, alias Zun the Warlord of Zentia, alias Grad the Illegible, alias Captain Chaos. Once the scion of a righteous house dedicated to the advancement of humanoid kind, he struggled to bring order to the multiverse. Alas, another victim of entropy, he struggled in vain. Three of his ships were blasted to Kingdom Come. His home planet was destroyed. His friends began to shun him like the plague. I was a wipeout as a good guy. Then he stumbled on the book Psychomagnetomics, read about the reboundive mind where we store our fear and anxiety, and discovered his inner bad guy wanted out. You suck my 
That's right! All of you do! Oh, I suppose I must allow there's a niggly minority negotiable as the nickel dive chemicals composing his, her, or its flesh! There must be some sentient in the multiverse with the smarts to come in out of a meteor shower! But I won't bet the ship on it. Hold on a Martron! You may be thinking. <laughs> a seldom exercised option! Who? say with righteous indignation. Are you to call me Cretan? I say you're the Cretan, but no, my hopeless friends. Or, or rather, <laughs> not my friends. Uh, no offense, please. You're wrong again! Had you taken the time to pull your apex from your anus, you would know this. I am the ruler of the Sevagram. The proof positive. Holder of the Trump card! I am in the cosmic center and can see all sides! I am the prime practitioner of the lost art of knowing crap from crystals, and I bask alone and only in the sublime security this comfortable knowledge brings! I also have the laser devastator. <laughs> While you, you indolent, insipid, it-pickers, have the insight of an Iconian draw pie! Which is to say, nada! <clears throat> well, uh... <laughs> what you think? What the hell was that? A futile exercise in artistic autoeroticism. Excitement at last! That audition was terrific. <laughs> I think we should discuss... Oh, this Zan is a Zonite enchantress, unworthy of your consideration. Oh, uh, you're just jealous because you're so... Don't make me have a Migulator meltdown! Can the banter! Berluna has no time to bandy words with bozos. Mister, whoever you are, what was his name? Uh, Duanian of Grivar? What? Yeah, Dwarnion of Grivar! The Big D! Uh, Little G, yeah. This guy makes me crazy. Oh, sorry. Honorless one, I confess to being intrigued. Give him another chance, pretty please. Grivar! Hmm? You seem to be a solo act. Well, <laughs> it leaves us out. This does not please us. Oh. It is, however, a twisted solo act, which does give us some degree of pleasure. Oh. I like pleasure. <laughs> we must decide what to do with you. Oh, oh okay. I, uh, I guess I'll just hang around then, huh? You bet your asteroid you'll hang. Hmm? Khalif, cool your jets. Grivar, hmm? don't call us. We'll be in touch with your agent. Oh, well, uh, thanks. Uh, I guess I'll see ya. Ryo, excitement! You will follow me, won't you? Is he gonna keep his hands to himself? Verluna, I have the results of the thermodyte penetration! Shoot, Norm! Norm! Small crystal-driven ship tagging along with us about 18 spar lawns off our starboard side. Seems it's been customized, equipped for fighting. Most likely a mercenary. You were holding out on us, pretty fishes. Looks like our simple salmon is way downstream without a paddle. Verluna! Yes? Identity report on small crystal-driven ship as follows. Series 1, Skim Blaster, Line, Garuda, privately owned freelance fighter. Serial number 573-4957352. Name? 
The Harpy. Oh, no! The Harpy. The Harpy. That name. Both silken and shrill. The Harpy! The Harpy! In the area all this time, and no one bothered to mention? Eel! Why did you neglect to mention this to us? Eel does no comprehend. Ah! If I might suggest celestial congress, the drug level could be raised ever so slightly. Yes. Good. Ah. And as you know, lovely limpet, what goes up must eventually come down. No. Tell me what's going on before I bring the level down so fast, your scales will curl! Cold turkey. By 0600, you'll be floating at the top of that tank. My friends! My own! Your friends? Tell me, the captain? There was one at one time. Is the captain of the Harpy one who calls herself Galatia 9? Yes. Ah! 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 Khalif, ask that soon-to-be canned sardine about the rest of the crew. You have heard the word of your mistress! Ela is no traitor. Oh. Speak, Bubble Brain, quickly. The officers of the Harpy. Officer E. Ann, science and statistics. E. Ann? Officer Brusilla, known as the Muscle. Munitions expert, military strategy, Officer Bronwyn of the Communications and Intuitional Data. Golly, what is she? Bronwyn of the what? Of the Veil, O oh Malevolent One. Of the Veil? of the veil, the sisters, psychic, am I right? Never mind, of course I am. A plan is perking in my mind. Would you consider enlightening your most faithful servant, oh, most cunning and corrupt? Even as you babble, the gears are in motion. My mind is worrying, genius. Prepare to hear my plan and be humbled. Psychic, psychic, telepathic. Imagine, if you will, having the power to see what lurks behind an enemy's eyes. The truth, trembling in the lies of an adversary. The traitorous thought behind the smooth-tongued flattery of a trusted ally. Well, I would hardly say... No! Right here! Establish contact with the... Har Harpy. Yes. So them all. Give our defecting damselfish just enough drug to keep her life in her slimy body. It seems to be your lucky day. Bait. Bait. Use a fish to catch a fish. Norm, open all channels! <coughs> Listen in awe to the words of Voluna, Captain Galatia 9. You've wandered into the wrong playground. All the toys are mine! And we don't like to share our toys. 
<laughs> okay, friends, and that was another installment of Starstruck, the one where we met all the evil characters. It's a production written by Lane Lee, adapted for audio by Lane Lee, and produced by the Audio Comics Company. Um, largely William DeFries and Lance Axt, and I know you're dying to hear more about that. You can. Again, the link to get the download is audiocomicscompany.com. It's also going to be on Tom Lopez's website, www.zbs.org. www.zerobs.org. It means what it you think it means. Okay. Uh, this also being a link to both of those paid for availability things at radiodramarevival.com. Anyways, uh, yeah, enjoy it. Check it out. Um, great show. Highly support it. I think you'll enjoy it too. Next week, we move back into our second helping of horror. So in case you thought that Halloween just wasn't quite over yet, we prove that yet again, it's not. <laughs> okay. And if you can't wait that long, of course, Hundreds of hours of audio drama adventures at radiodramarevival.com. You can also follow us on Twitter nowadays, at Radiodrama. Search Facebook for Radio Drama Revival. Of course, we're also on the iTunes store. Search for Radio Drama Revival. That wraps it up for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalge. Copyright of individual shows remains to the original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates on on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Greater Portland, Maine's Community Radio. This podcast at radiodramarevival.com is a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.